Greetings, my name is Dave. And I'm Stacy. Welcome to the Plants Change My Life podcast. We're a husband and wife team living in Houston, arguably the barbecue capital of Texas, who share a passion for good food and holistic wellness. We're on a mission to inspire people to live their best lives through healthy food choices, one meal at a time. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about how real people have experienced awesome changes by embracing a plant-based diet. Today, we're talking to a wife and mother who found remarkable healing for her baby and a whole new life purpose for herself in a plant-based diet. She also has an inspiring vision for the world that all evolved after she decided to tap into the power of a whole food, plant-based diet. So grab your tea and take a seat. Here's her story. There's a Gandhi quote that says, you must be the change that you wish to see in the world. And that is exactly what our guest today is all about. Abby Power is a plant-based wife and mother, speaker, compassionate visionary, humane educator, and change maker. She and her five-year-old son are founders of the Earth Protectors. We, we just love everything that she's doing, and we're so glad that she could join us today. <laughs> Hey, Abby, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Dave and Stacy. And wow, what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's Stacy's specialty, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, I am over the moon excited to connect with you. Like I, just, like I said, I just love everything you're doing and everything you're about. Like You're a complete inspiration all the way around, um, from being a, a, a plant-based mom and, and just... You, you have a full plate. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's It's been a real pleasure, though. It's been a great transition for us and our family. So I see you and your family live in Ash, Ashland, Massachusetts. Is that where you're, you've always lived? Is that where you're from? No, actually, I'm from Greenville, Pennsylvania. So that is Western PA. Um, my husband is from Ireland. So we somehow made our way to Massachusetts, um, from college, we went to San Francisco and then to Boston, and now we live here with um, our son James and our dog Bradley. Oh, awesome! Wow, y'all are well traveled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place to live. We love it, except for the winter. It can get kind of um, snowy. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually lived in Minnesota. Well, I grew, kind of grew up most of my time in Minnesota, so wow. definitely to understand. Yeah, how the you snow might is. have me beat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I was I was I I love your story because you um, you can say that you know a plant based diet has changed your life as well as your son's life, and I love the perspective that you that you offer of of like your whole family making this transition and having to experience the impact on many layers, how it impacted your life and not just your life, but your son. And just, can you tell us like, how did, how did you get started on this path? Like who or what inspired this journey? 
Yeah, of course. So the journey to plant-based eating for me and my family happened for a number of different reasons, like you mentioned, but mainly it first started because of my son, James. James just turned six, but the first three years of his life were really challenging for everybody. He has had a very complex medical history. Um, At 10 months old, he was literally skin and bones and weighed only around 14 pounds, which is what he weighed when he was four months old. So as you can imagine, it was a pretty trying time for us. Um, He was admitted to Boston Children's Hospital, and that's where they diagnosed him with failure to thrive. And he left the, the hospital with a feeding tube and a whole group of specialists. While the doctors were pushing McDonald's French fries and Pediasure and told us to slather his food with ghee and butter to help him gain weight, I decided instead to make him uh, a calorically dense plant-based smoothie to help him grow. I thought, you know, food should be healthful. Uh, When he turned one and they pushed cow's milk on us, I instead transitioned him to hemp milk. And then when he really struggled with incopresis, his doctors pushed an obscene amount of doses of Miralax and Exlax. So I pushed for whole foods, fiber, and water. And, you know, going against the doctor's advice was really frightening at first. You know, who was I to tell them no? But I knew my son and I knew that they weren't looking at James as a whole. And I also knew that food um, that we eat can make a significant impact on our health. But what I had on my side were results. So James was below the zero percentile on the growth chart. But just after a year after we ate, started eating a whole foods plant-based diet, his growth rates soared uh, between 80 and 90. 80 to 90 percent. His doctors, it was incredible. Um, His doctors and his nutritionist were amazed and they kept asking me how I did it. And that's really one of the reasons that I'll never stop advocating for a plant-based diet and the power that it holds. And it's really amazing what can happen when you're desperate to find a way to help your son thrive. You know, James right now is a ball of energy. He's happy and he's healthy. And I'm just really proud of him. That's amazing. Um, And I can certainly understand that uh, process of dealing with a child that is having some sort of um, health issues and having to deal with doctors and their over-analyzation and uh, trying to stand up for what you believe in. Um, So I totally get that. Because I went through the same thing with my youngest daughter. My uh, oldest child was always like, on the high end of the growth chart, she was always big and fat. Like, she was a big, fat baby. <laughs> and then my <laughs> the second one came, and it was the opposite. It was just like, you know, why isn't she growing? You know, what is wrong with her? But um, so I totally, I totally understand that whole process of having to deal with doctors and, and them questioning your diet and stuff like that. And I'm glad that you had a, you were able to, you know, to show them that this was the right thing. Right. Yeah, no, I, so you, you both completely understand, um, the journey. Um, but it's kind of empowering to be able to, to do what you think is right, especially when it it's working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that has to be like kind of fearful at the same time, Mm because like, or scared at the same time, because it's, um, scary, I guess. Um, Because like you're making a decision that you don't know the outcome in the end. Absolutely. Which everyone tells you that what the outcome will be, which is not be good. 
according to them. But right, you basically are confident in your decision that's saying that I know my child, one, and then I know what the best way of going about it, which is plants. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it was a lot of, you know, trying it out, monitoring him, seeing how he was growing. And when he kept growing, I said, you know what, we're on to something here and we're just going to keep doing it. So so during that time of transitioning uh, with your with your with your diet, you were focusing on giving your son a plant based diet. Was it difficult, like getting like everybody on the same page and on board like your you and your husband? Like, was it hard to make the change to a plant-based diet? Yeah, you know, the first month was definitely the more challenging part because you have to relearn everything. Um, And it it wasn't so much hard to do it as a family. And actually, it made it easier to do as a family because we were all in it together. We were trying new recipes together. And it was like we're on um, like an adventure together. But I think the biggest challenge um, for us and for me in particular was the perception that eating a whole foods plant-based diet was unhealthy and even dangerous, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for our son. And, you know, even though we had the proof that it was quite the opposite, um, but you know what, I, I've thought a lot about this and this perception isn't very surprising. If we take a step back and look at things, um, you know, most doctors only get an average of you know, 19.6 hours of nutritional training during their four years of medical school. So, you know, it's not surprising that they just don't have the information needed uh, to tell us how to eat healthfully. And, you know, on top of that, so many people are confused about what we should eat. You know, each week, it's a different story. Salt's good, then it's Mm -hmm. bad. Carbohydrates are good, now they're bad. So, you know, what, what do we do? And then, you know, the other big factor that we have to consider that is a contributor to how our perception is created is by the federal government. They have a huge influence over the food that we eat. And, you know, many of the large food industries are lobbying on issues such as what our children should be eating in schools, what our food labels should say, and what should be deemed as healthy. Um, So it just seems like the stack is decked against us, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what can we do? And, and that's when I decided that we can educate ourselves. And that's exactly what I did. Um, So what happened in June of 2016, my dad died at the age of 57 from a heart attack. And, you know, of course, this was such a tragic, traumatic loss, and we were all devastated. But I learned that Heart attacks are the number one killer and cause of death in the United States and completely preventable. So when I learned about the connection between these diseases and that the and the food that we eat, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops because more people had to hear this. And that's why I became a plant-based educator and I try to speak to as many different communities as possible in hopes that the information that I share may save someone else's life since I wasn't able to save my dad's. I love that. I love that approach. Um, it, I, my, uh, like my own personal story was um, dealing with the death of both of my grandmothers from colon cancer. And it's it's true that people are not realizing what what's in their food and what right. they're eating. You know, like uh, it's not just it's 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 as you know, it's like a complex thing. It's not just yeah. the ingredients, but it's how like 
the animals are like the factory farming, like all that in, that's involved in that. It's just like it's, a lot of people are just not aware. No, right. So, so yeah. So I, I totally understand. I totally, I totally hear that point. Um, so when people like, for example, when I, when we when I was making a transition, like a lot of people were kind of like, well, what are you what are you going to eat? Like, what is there to eat? Like, and they're questioning, like, is is a meal a meal if you don't have meat on your plate? Right. So can you can you tell us like what um what did what did your daily meals look like after you, as you were making that switch? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'll start with breakfast because. I never used to eat breakfast, but now I absolutely love it and I look forward to it each and every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my breakfast go-to meal is oatmeal. Um, mm-hmm. So what I do is I get, you know, the whole grain oats. I add some cinnamon to it and some ground flaxseed meal, a little bit of unsweetened applesauce, uh, some raisins, and then I either slice up some apples or in the summer I've been doing um, some blueberries and strawberries and peaches, and it is so delicious and it keeps you full for hours. So I just love setting myself up for the day feeling like that. Um, It really just is wonderful. Um, some of the other favorite meals is, um, vegan sloppy joes. So Mm -hmm. I grew up on, you know, those manwich ground beef sloppy Mm -hmm. joes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, um, I just remember we always had them at, you know, Super Bowl parties or birthdays or any celebration in our family. It was like a crop crock pot full of sloppy joes. Um, so a lot of, you know, culture and tradition and memories are tied to food. So it's hard to give those up sometimes. But um, when I found the vegan version, I was thrilled. So this particular recipe that I make is made out of green lentils instead of ground beef, but it tastes just like the one that I had growing up. And the recipe I use is from the minimalist baker. Uh, And actually we don't call them sloppy joes anymore. We call them sloppy Lenny's. um, (laughs) I like that. Yeah. I think it's just so cute. I think somebody in the comments section of the recipe mentioned that. And I'm like, yes, we are calling them that from now on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we, um, we become more adventurous with our cooking just because instead of eating the same, like, four meals over and over again. Oh, what's tonight? Chicken. Oh, what's tonight? Mm -hmm. You know, a burger. Like it opens up your whole repertoire of so many different plants out there and getting creative with how to use them. So, so did your son have any influence on that? That's like the, the, your breakfast sounded, Mm -hmm. sounded like, uh, it sounds like like ours. uh, Right. Which, (laughs) which, uh, (laughs) our daughters, they kind of had the influence of putting strawberries, blueberries and, and, like different fruits and dried fruits and fresh fruit. They kind of just, they yeah. tell us what we, what they want. And they you know? wake up and say exactly <laughs> what they want in their oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And I think um, James, yes, he's definitely the same. He knows what he wants and what tastes good to him. So that's why I like having kind of like a bunch of kind of different options available. So we can just put all different things. Um, and I actually, I love putting frozen blueberries instead of fresh blueberries mm-hmm. in because <laughs> when it melts, it just like, it's 
just so delicious. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's almost like a dessert for breakfast because when I put the apples in, it tastes like an apple pie. <laughs> that's what I do too. Yes, that's exactly right? exactly how I feel. Yes. I'm like, I'm making a pie each morning. Like, that's my goal yes. for them to think they're eating a pie, even though it's all healthy stuff like chia yes. seeds and, and coconut mm-hmm. flakes, you know, just whatever I can to make it different seasoning, spices, cinnamon. Oh, they yeah. love cinnamon. So yeah, I totally oh, get that. So good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is, so, so you've had the experience of uh, dealing with a, a young child and eating, like, trying to feed him, like, healthy plant-based meals. Is, are there, do you have, like, certain go-to uh, snacks and meals, like, he just absolutely loves? Yeah. So, one snack that is so easy and healthy that we make a lot. And I put it in his lunches, especially this summer for camp. It was such an easy thing to make. So I just get, um, a container of, um, corn kernels. Um, you know, and I, what I do, I literally put them in a pot without any oil and heat up the pot and shake it around so they don't burn. And then popcorn starts Ah. popping out. Um, and there's no nothing processed. It's and I usually get the you know the GMO um, free non-GMO kernels. And there's no. I mean, you can add things to it. You can mm-hmm. of course add nutritional yeast or you know anything else. But we don't even add oil. You can cook it straight, and it's just a really really nice snack. Mm-hmm. Um, but James is a really great eater. Whatever we're eating, um, he eats. So um, like we like making pizza. We'll just get like a fresh pizza dough. Um, if I don't have time to make one, we'll put a little bit of sauce on it. And then any vegetable that we have, um, fire roasted corn, um, chopped up tomatoes, broccolini we put on there, sun-dried tomatoes sometimes, um, any anything really red onions and we throw it in the oven takes nine minutes and you have it. Yeah. (laughs) So good. You don't need cheese. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's delicious. Um, and it's just, um, all different colors and that's what makes it more appetizing for James and I'm sure for many other kids. Mm -hmm. So what has your experience been like, like raising a vegan child in a world that's not vegan? Uh, like he's in school, right? So, Mm -hmm. He, yes. he probably pack his lunches. Like, what is that whole process like to, to keep him on the path of eating like <laughs> and not being influenced so much by his peers? Yeah, it's it can be challenging. Um, so James is going into first grade now. So we spent one whole year in kindergarten figuring out lunch situation. Um, you know, the whole raising a vegan kid thing was really challenging, especially for somebody like me, who's a chronic people pleaser. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like terrified of what people like my friends and family and even strangers thought would think of me for daring to live life differently. So I had a lot to get over. Um, I was also really worried about the logistics. Like you mentioned, you know, what he would be able to eat at school or at birthday parties or when visiting family, Mm -hmm. you know, would he feel left out or worse with somebody, you know, um, make fun of him. But, you know, all of that kind of took care of itself um, because I knew I was armed with information and I could speak to why we choose to live this way. Um, but for lunches, we keep it like really simple. Um, we have one of those like Omni, Omni boxes. Have you seen those? They're like 
really cute little square boxes mm-hmm. with little with handles. Little sections in it. Yeah, it yeah, uh-huh. it does. Yeah, so we use that, um, and I fill it up with, um, you know, usually strawberries, um, sliced peppers, and cherry tomatoes or cucumbers, and then for sometimes I'll give him like a tortilla wrap um, with black beans and or refried beans or something like that with corn and. Um, or other times, you know, it's a sun butter and jelly sandwich depends on the day and what we have left or just leftovers. So um, it's been actually easy. And I think the important thing for what we're doing is that I welcome any questions that James may have down the road. I think it's important to establish that open and respectful communication. And I want him to go through life with this curiosity and always be a lifelong learner and that he feels confident to explain to his friends if they have questions and even share his delicious plant-based foods. And and the way we're doing it is by modeling the behavior we want to see in the world, um, as you mentioned when we first started, and to create those ripples of beautiful change. But um, yeah, it's been really great. And of course, there are trying times where he's like, oh, could I have a you know, he's heard about the McDonald's Happy Meal and <laughs> we had to have a talk about that. Like, what's this really about? Do you really want a Happy Meal? It's it, He wanted the toy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's completely different. Like, that's a different, different conversation. So it's just really talking about it and be opening, be open to his questions um, and just talk about how he's perceiving it as well, because he's part of this whole process. But what about you? How's it been for you with your daughters? Well, our daughters are still small so far, and they Mm -hmm. haven't started school yet. So I'm just like anticipating everything (laughs) that will be involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my experience so far has just been dealing with birthday parties and that feeling of not wanting them to uh, think that they're being left out. And that has been the biggest challenge so far um, is just because birthday parties, as you know, are full of of candy and cakes mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that we just don't consume. Uh, right. Just it's just not like because Dave and I, we are uh, like we're the type of uh, people that read ingredients on everything. We mm-hmm. avoid like preservatives, artificial colors, artificial flavors. And um, so it's just like when you go visit other people, you don't want them to feel right. like you're judging them. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yes. Yes, so, I know. Like, <laughs> I know. So so I mean, it's it's that has been the, the thing so far. And I try to um, I don't know. I uh, just try to have uh, something at home that that I can give them like later, like, hey, we have something you can eat at home so they don't feel like, why am I not eating the cupcakes, you know, or why can't I have what everybody else is eating? But, you know, we just got started in this because our oldest is three and our youngest is two. So, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, James has had um, two birthdays this month parties to go to. And he had his own birthday. Um, he just turned six on Monday. So we had a party for him this past weekend. So it's, it's definitely a point of contention sometimes for myself. Like, what do we do? What's the right thing to do? I don't want him to feel left out. Like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, the parties always have cupcakes and pizza. So I always know, okay, I'm going to bring, I'm going to make 
one of my pizzas and I will wrap it up. And then when they put the pizzas on the table and his plate down, I'm going to shove my pizza on his plate. Like, you know, know, sometimes like it's hard. It definitely is challenging. And we try to explain why we're doing it. Um, So it's, it's definitely going to be something that I think is going to have to be a give and take as he gets older. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. It's hard. Living in an imperfect world is hard. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, I like the approach you guys take with uh, with school and everything, though, because it's sometimes we kind of overthink things um, when you know more information. Yeah. Sometimes, like, we want to keep them in the perfect environment, so we kind of think of schools and situations where like everybody's vegan. Of course, we, me and Stacy, Stacy, now we talked about that. It's like we wish there was a school that can be everyone's blowing growing their plants and then they eat the plants yes. and they cook them but sometimes it's just not as conducive to that so mm-hmm. um but the approach you guys are taking is as far as this is constantly communicating with uh, your son mm-hmm. and uh also letting him take on the world that he's going to have to face anyway so like it's right i think that's going to be beneficial and, and if you give it to him and talk to him about it at the same time you know right yeah, definitely. It's def- it is hard. It is challenging to be a vegan in a non-vegan world. Um especially when people don't understand and are f- like you mentioned, Stacy, afraid that you're kind of judging them and that's mm-hmm. definitely not at all what we we are doing. Right. Um mm-hmm. just and it and it's it's a nice way to be gentle about the the message of eating plant-based is through um showing that there's a different way and a different option and just kind of being very kind about um, the way that we're living and being open, like, oh, would you like to taste this and, mm-hmm. you know, try this out? And because it may, maybe they've never had, you know, a plant-based vegan dessert or something that was a little more healthy and, um, but still delicious. Mm-hmm. So yes, <laughs> we're trying to be graceful. Mm-hmm. So you have to tell us how you and your son, James, came around to create the Earth Protectors. I love that. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So that was um, that was really, really fun. Um, I I am right now um, in graduate school, going to school for a master's of arts and humane education. So we are studying all about the the interconnections about the world between people, animals and the environment. And it just, it really just sparks so much inside of me. And um, throughout my studies, I've involved James a lot in the work that I'm doing. And I try to teach him what I'm learning. So we're, we're learning about this, um, these topics together, of course, in age-appropriate ways for a six-year-old. But um, one day in, I think it was in December, February, he said, you know, I want to change the world and I want to help the environment. I'm like, yes, let's do this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, I have all these ideas, but sometimes I'm afraid to like actually do them. But being like this little guy, he's not afraid. He just wants to go out and, and try it. So I said, okay, what are we going to do? And we thought a lot about it. And we said, okay, let's be earth protectors and an earth protector. And it, it's not just about the planet. It's, it's about protecting our fellow neighbors and the people around us. It's about being kind and compassionate to the way we, we treat animals. And, and of course, the way that we treat 
um, the planet. But yeah, so we, we want to make it very clear to people that everybody can be an earth protector. It's not this exclusive group that you have to be part of. Each and every day, you can go forth and do as much as you can um, to to love and protect the earth. I love that. Like, I love that. Um, I love that y'all are like you're plant based and it's you have this perspective of being good to your bodies, like being healthy and taking care of your body because your body's your temple. And then you're you're looking out for uh, the animals protecting animals at the same time and then you have the environmental perspective and the uh social justice perspective I just I just love like I can just imagine the awesome person that James is going to grow up to be like (laughs) with such in this environment you know what I mean right yeah I really I really do hope so because there was so much that I didn't know about until I mean I've only been vegan for almost two and a half years. So I'm fairly new in this plant-based journey. Um, and I mean, how did I get this far without understanding these really, really important concepts and understanding how connected they are to each other? So by starting to understand these you know, fundamental and foundational um, ideas, I hope will lead him to a life that is he's able to be a great critical thinker and inspire change. So you've made, uh, you made a lot of growth and connections in your first years of, in the first years of your vegan journey. What's the next thing that you hope to accomplish? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So I consider myself a multi-potentialite. Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) I like that. I like the way it sounds. (laughs) It's a real thing. I swear I didn't make it up. Um, So I, um, I love all different types of things and I love being involved in, in many, many different areas. Um, And I think that's why I love the interconnectedness of our world so much. It's because there's so much information and knowledge to to gain that way. Um, But my focus is really, um, you know, as a public speaker and a humane educator, my mission is to really shift the paradigm of thinking so that we not only are creating a more compassionate world, but a world that works for all of us. And I believe the way to do this is through solutionary thought and action. And let me just, I think it's important to define what a solutionary is. Um, So the program that I'm in through the Institute for Humane Education defines a solutionary as a person who's able to identify inhumane and unsustainable systems, and then they develop the solutions that are healthy and just for people, animals, and the environment. And this really helps me see the big picture, life as a whole. And that really sparks inside of me this passion and this compassion and even action to go forth in whatever I do, whether it's writing a book, um, teaching people, anything really. I I just love the, the possibility of just going forth and living my truth and trying to be a change maker in any way possible. I love that. I love it. Um, and I, I, I had, I remember reading when I was reading about schools for children and schools that like kind of like are outside of the public school system, you know, like an alternative type of education. I came across something about uh, New York having some type of solutionary school for 
children. But I don't know if that, I don't know if that was like something that was a plan or if it actually worked out. Have you heard of something like that? I don't know. I know the Institute for Humane Education, they have solutionary programs where they have, they go into schools and teach them how to be solutionary in their thought. And then they also have programs where they teach um, and train teachers and educators on how to kind of move forward this method, me- uh, me- message. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could possibly be part of this. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's so important because there's so much potential in how to be a solutionary from the way that we teach economics. We could say, you know, when we're thinking about money and, you know, the resources that it takes to go into, to building things, we also should take into account the resources such as the environment or the trees or, you know, anything like that. There's just so many areas that this can really get into and change the way that we think and act. And I think that's just, really, really exciting. Yeah, I agree. It's, I can just imagine like if, if this was, um, if this model of education was available for more people, like the state our world would be in, you know? Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's just, we need more love and kindness and compassion and empathy. And, um, wherever we can find that, we need to embrace it and lift it up. Mm Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for someone who is thinking about taking the steps to embrace this type of uh, lifestyle, a plant-based lifestyle, and they're not really, they might, they might be hesitant or unsure. Um, what, like looking back at your own journey, what, what advice would you have for someone else? Oh yeah, absolutely. So number one, make it fun. Um, you know, food should be joyful. It should be fun. It should be delicious and it should be easy to, to make. So if it doesn't tick all those boxes, I don't make it. Um, one way we do make it fun is of course, to involve our son. Um, we go to the grocery store together and we make it like we're explorers. Uh, Mm -hmm. when we're in the produce section, I tell James, I'm like, okay, pick out a fruit or vegetable. And then we, um, go home and try to make a meal around it and we cook together and sit down and eat together. And so I think getting our whole family and our children involved increases the chances that they'll be happy participants and excited about this change of lifestyle, um, which I think would ease kind of the transition. Um, also, I think we also just started a garden, which has been wonderful, uh, and we're learning how to grow our own food together. So we come home and we get to pick what we grew, and we're really establishing our connection and relationship with the food that we eat. Um, now, on the practical side of things, like many people, um, life can be very, very busy. So what I do to make it a little easier during the week is to go to the grocery uh, store only once a week, usually on a Saturday or Sunday, and I cook and do all my meal prep on Sunday. So when we get home after a long day during the week, we are steps ahead and it makes for a more peaceful evening. And then, you know, like I mentioned, that, that first month or so can be a challenge because you're relearning everything, um, how to cook, different replacements, um, for things that you're not eating anymore, but all you really need is, you know, three to four recipes to get you started and, you know, try out 
things and see what works and what you like and what you don't like, and then build up that repertoire. And I think it's important to be kind to ourselves and remember that it's about progress, not perfection. Um, You know, one other tool that I thought was very helpful for us um, in the beginning, you may not, um, you may want to track your meals to ensure you're getting, you know, well-rounded um, meals every day. So a tool that helped us, we used chronometer. Are you familiar with chronometer? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's, um, it's just on a website. It's free. You just sign up and what you do, you put your meals in for the day. And then it's like a very great visual kind of dashboard. It shows you in green, like where you've met your vitamins for vitamin A and D and all different um, nutrients. And then it'll have yellow if you kind of need to have a little more and then red if you haven't met it. So just for that first week or so, you can kind of get a gauge of maybe I need a little more, um, you know, calcium in my diet or protein, which is rarely the case, but mm-hmm. um, it just kind of helps guide you and put your mind at ease that you're doing really well. Um, and I think Lastly, um, like the way to happiness, the path to change is not through, you know, greater willpower and hard work, but I believe it's through thinking differently. So I think it's about a change of mindset. Instead of thinking, you know, you're going to be giving up all your favorite foods and you think of it as this deprivation, um, I like to think of it as abundance and crowding your plate with fruits and vegetables and and all the things that you're gaining in your life, like you're gaining better health and energy and peace of mind. So that has really helped us with the transition. I like that. I like that. I like the I like the <laughs> the the tool you mentioned about tracking the meals. And I like that just changing the way you think about it. Like you're not giving up stuff. Like you're actually opening up your plate to all these new possibilities and more creativity. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you would like to add? Um, I think we've covered so much, but I just mentioned um, a couple resources that I usually go to for menu ideas or support. So um, I love Dave and Steve from The Happy Pair. Are you familiar with them? I haven't heard of them. Okay, you need to look them up. They are like the happiest people on the planet. They are from (laughs) Ireland um, and they are... They have cookbooks out, but they have a lot of recipes and YouTube videos on different foods to cook. Um, They swim in the sea every morning and they talk about how movement is so important for us because we are animals. You know, we tend to forget that we are, but um, we need, need movement throughout the day. And along with the movement, we need to eat what our body needs. So they're just a great, inspiring, um, positive um, resource that I like to go into. And, and then, um, like I mentioned before, the minimalist baker has a really, a great recipes that I draw from, um, plant-based on a budget is a great one. Um, and then I've, there's so many books, but the China study I found to be very enlightening. Um, and then I have a lot of, um, many other resources like community support websites on that I have listed on my website. So, um, they're all there in case anybody wants to take a look. Okay. Well, we'll definitely link to your website so people can get a peek of 
at, at all your resources. Um, and speaking of your website, um, can you just let people people know how they can connect with you and learn more about your mission? Yes, of course. So you can find me. My website is abbypower.com and my name is spelled Abby, A-B-B-Y, power, P-O-W-E-R. So abbypower.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. You can find me. My handle is at Sonona Sun. It's S-E-N. O-N-A-S-U-N. Um, but yeah, reach out. I'm happy to be a resource for anybody um, or chat more about all things plants. Awesome. I am so excited that we had the opportunity to connect today. Thank Too. you for taking time out to talk to us. Um, we just really enjoyed connecting with you and talking about everything plant-based under the sun. Like you are like, I feel like you're like a, a superhero mom. Like, <laughs> I love your name, Abby Power. Like, Abby Power, she's with us today. <laughs> but, but thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to sit down and share your story and your son's story. He's just completely adorable, of course. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's been a, truly an honor to be on your podcast. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And it's been so wonderful getting to know um, both you and Dave. So thank you. Yay, no problem. No problem. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Abby, for that wonderful interview. Now it's time for the food of the show. So today's food of the show is leafy greens. If there's ever one go-to food out there, out of all the rest, leafy greens are that food. The answer to the question, if you are stuck on an island alone, what would you want to bring? Leafy green seeds is that. From your brain to your bones, leafy greens support your wellness. Now there are many varieties, but access to those varieties can vary based on where you live. Some of the most basic varieties that are usually easily accessible, no matter where you live, are spinach, kale, collards, mustards, and chard. But in many cities, you'll be able to find interesting produce, including beet greens, arugula, and others. Leafy greens are a plant-based source of calcium, iron, and other minerals. There is mixed information about whether you should eat leafy green vegetables raw or cooked in relation to their nutrient content and our ability to absorb it. But throughout all that, one thing you should do is just eat your greens. Eat raw salads. Eat them steamed. Eat them sautéed. If you're eating a variety of leafy greens and preparing them in a variety of ways, then you'll be getting an abundance of good stuff that your body needs. One thing to consider is that when cooked, you usually take a lot more in due to the greens wilting down when they're heated. And you take in a lot more nutrients that way. If cooking, just try not to kill the greens like many have known to do, have been known to do. Many like who, Dave? Well, I mean, many like... I know my mother cooked greens. Until like, they turned yeah, green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, her sisters and grandmothers. And it's been in our culture, it's been passed down that you cook greens and you boil them for all day, you know? Uh-huh. They taste good. They really do taste good that way. Um, but the let's, thing let's is that... Let's leave some green into the greens. <laughs> yeah, leave the green in the greens. Uh, don't take all your chlorophyll out and turn them a different color. But um, yeah, so... I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, how how do you think there could be a culture shift into like sautéing and lightly cooking the greens? Yeah, I definitely think that it's something that um, 
older generations have to get used to, because especially when you think about things like collard greens, collard greens are usually cooked until they're melty like. And um, I remember when we uh, we did a cooking demo and we did collard greens and we just kind of sauteed them. And it was just like, wow, these collard greens have some color to them and some texture, you know, when you don't mm-hmm. have to, when you don't boil them all day. Right, right. Since there are so many varieties of greens and they all do different things and they can be prepared in different ways, we're going to highlight just one this time, this show. And in other shows, we'll um, highlight different greens throughout the time. But for this show, we're going to do kale. Kale is of the cabbage family. Think of it as a headless cabbage with just the leaves. There are a variety of types and availability of types can vary based on where you live. The most common are the curly leaf and the dinosaur kale. Each of these varieties can be easily accessed in most larger cities. Now, kale has been studied to be beneficial against prostate cancer, along with preventative properties against other cancer. Kale is a great source of beta carotene and other elements that are important for eye health. Awesome source of vitamin K, vitamin C, and B vitamins. Kale has a strong mineral content boasting iron, calcium, manganese, copper, potassium, and phosphorus. Kale is great for salads, sautéing, and roasting. When eating it raw, massage the kale to help make it less tough. Just be careful not to massage it too much to not make it rubbery. And don't forget, toss some kale up in your smoothies. It's a great way to get your greens in. Now we're going to shift into plant-based news and notes. So what do we have for today, Stacey? So I want to start with the best news I've heard all week, okay? New York City public schools have banned processed meats. That means that hot dogs, pepperoni, and other cancer-causing processed meats will no longer have a place on the school's menu. Nice. That's nice. So that means even like the cold-cut sandwiches won't even be... Right. Like, there will be no cold cut. Right, right. Now, this move comes after the New York City Council passed a resolution calling for the Department of Education to eliminate processed meats in public schools. The resolution cites a World Health Organization report that declared that processed meat, including hot dogs, pepperoni, bacon, sausage, and deli meats, are carcinogenic to humans. Man. Do you remember when that report came out? It was like a year or so ago. I do remember. I remember it because I specifically remember the deli meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this has been in the works. This resolution was uh, actually uh, came out, I believe, sometime last year, and it was just recently passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, like, thinking about deli meat now, how something is preserved for so long, um, especially when it's a meat, you know? Like, how do they preserve it so long? And you think about it now, it's so salty. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, like, Very salty. Right. So, like, thinking about what you're taking in is just kind of unnerving. Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, the Santa Barbara, Calif- I'm sorry, a Santa Barbara, California school district became the first district in the whole country to pull processed meats from all school lunch menus uh, just a year ago in September of last year. Mm. So nice. this is the second one. In New York. So this is New York. Uh, in the, it's like a the school New York, district. Mm-hmm. Okay. Public school district. 
That's good. That's good. Maybe we should move. We to should New move York. to New York. Yeah, definitely need Except to move. Except for it's to just too much. Too uh, much money. No, too much uh, concrete. Too much concrete. Oh, not enough greenery. Yeah. <laughs> well. We live in Central Park. Yeah. So in other news, we were able to see the Game Changers finally when it came out to theaters on September the what day was that? It was recently. But we went with our friend Raphael, who was featured in our episode number five of the Plant Change My Life podcast. Um, I guess I don't need to say that because we're in the podcast, right? Yeah, we're in the podcast. <laughs> anyway, so we went to go see the show with our friend Raphael from um, episode five. And it was pretty awesome. I mean, it was so inspiring. Like, after the movie, you just want to get up and start doing some ropes, right? Yeah, ropes is <laughs> ready to do some ropes. But I don't wanna, we don't want to give too much because for those who haven't seen it, but you're definitely going to be ready to run some miles and hit some ropes and some pull-ups, some extra pull-ups that day. Mm-hmm. But you can pre-order Game Changers on iTunes now, and it'll be hitting the digital world 10-1. So October 1st, you'll be able to see it. If you haven't seen it um, in the theaters on with the premiere, and yeah, go ahead and definitely check that out. For those who are vegan, um, those who are not vegan, it's going to be something that you'll really benefit from and get some good inspiration from. Thank you for listening in to the Plants Change My Life podcast. Please follow us at Plants Change My Life on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can head over to plantschangemylife.com for additional information about the show and the resources that were mentioned. We would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by leaving a comment and subscribing. Please get in touch with us at stories at plantschangemylife.com. Respect. And always remember, when you eat good, you reap good. Peace. Plants change my life. Plants change my life. Plants change my life. Plants change my life. Plants change my life.